Hello, and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Jordan Rothline, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. You'd be remiss to talk about music in 2013 without mentioning SoundCloud, a tool for distributing and discovering sounds, musical or otherwise. It's become ubiquitous over the last few years. TechCrunch reported last December that 180 million people use SoundCloud each month, which represents a staggering 8% of internet users. Snoop Dogg and The Economist might have accounts these days, but it's far smaller fish who have long been at the heart of this community. For producers looking to get their sounds out into the world, SoundCloud has proven invaluable. It's probably no coincidence then that Eric Valforsch, the company's CTO, is an electronic producer himself. But when he and CEO Alexander Jung brought their startup to Berlin in 2007, the web wasn't an easy place for dance music producers to do much of what they take for granted today. I caught up with Valforsch in Berlin recently to discuss SoundCloud's role in this transformation. And since SoundCloud itself has been growing by leaps and bounds of late, we touched on some of the challenges and innovations on its horizon. So Eric, you're, you're probably best known uh, at this point as SoundCloud's co-founder and chief technology officer, but um, from the time before you founded the company up in, through the present, uh, you've been making electronic music. Let's just start out by talking a little bit about your electronic music career. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, I think it started out quite a long time ago now, like it's almost 25 years ago. So my mother got this uh, computer, an old Mac, and a synthesizer from her church. So she used to, well, she still does actually, she conducts a choir and she plays the organ, you know, in the church and, and they wanted her to sort of start composing. Or actually, she, she had the ambition, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start using a computer to compose stuff and so on. And, you know, I was like eight years at the time or something. And um, she ended up not using it at all, but I kind of got right into it. So I started using the synth and you know the Mac and, and started sequencing tracks basically and and then you know as I as I got older I kind of went through you know different generations of whatever synthesizers and computers PCs Macs Ataris Amigas you know uh, tracker programs I started using Cubase when you know the first sort of virtual studio thing you know came into Cubase and end of the 90s I ended up having a studio with a lot of hardware actually it was a small studio but um, had a had a hardware sampler, but it was only it was only when sort of Mac laptops started getting good enough, and when the sampler moved into the virtual environment, that I really started making sort of like finding my identity as a as a, as an artist. So my music is heavily sort of sample and now recently field recording based, and so um, that's really when I started out. And I around the same time I I, um, uh, I went to Berlin as well, so. I got a record deal in the early 2000 um, with Son Sonar Connect Collective um, and ended up moving to Berlin in 2001 and stayed there for a year. Um, actually worked at the software company as well then, but I, uh, I made music on the side and then I ended up sort of traveling around in Europe for, for almost a year uh, and made a record called 
called Soul Hack uh, in 2003, which was all about sort of cut up samples, um, you know, somewhere between Prefuse 73 and uh, Fortet and some other, um, yeah, artists like that. I'm curious if working on music with computers uh, was sort of an introduction to working with computers in, in general, because I know that you have some some training in engineering. Yeah, I mean, that's really how it started. It started through music. And for the first couple of years, that was most most of what I did with computers was actually composing composing stuff. But like I was a you know young teenager back then, and and then sort of the web came around, and even before that, CD-ROMs and stuff, you know, started. That, I I got into sort of programming um, through more the visual side and the media side of of computers. So my father, you know, he was always you know he was really excited about computers in general, and he. At one point, he had a, one of the better Mac Mac computers in the sort of mid '90s, and you know, with a color display. I've I've never seen that before, and uh, got into sort of HyperCard and Macromedia Director and sort of those things. And um, but it was only only when the web came around, sort of '95, um, that I started um, building web pages and really got into programming as well. So yeah, these, these two things have been running in parallel for a long time. Like I've been making music and, and making websites basically, uh, for a long time. Yeah. I wonder how one informs the other. You're, you're continuing to make electronic music now as, uh, you're helping to run an internet company. Yeah. I mean, so the end of the 90s I actually worked at an animation studio for a while so I ended up doing a couple of small like short movies with uh, with a friend of mine um, and I got into this technique called compositing which is now you know heavily used in, in post-production in movies and stuff uh, and a program called After Effects and I remember sort of the revelation of using that program in that like everything was you know it's what you in in programming you would call it like object oriented so you could really modify everything and everything could fit into everything it was like a you know boxes of boxes and you know just er anything could be combined with everything and and that's really that's one of the big revelations of my uh you know in general sort of my my career i think that that program and that ended up influencing how i made music in the end um i stopped sort of doing compositing but i started treating music as compositing so i started using the samples in the same way as i would use sort of the fragments to create uh moving collage you know in, on the on the visual side and then that somehow informed programming as well um, and then programming started influencing music creation as well so the album you know was called soul hack obviously for a reason because i was hacking at the same time you know so it was very much a, a geeky kind of endeavor you have a new album out um right now actually i, I think it came out pretty recently uh, called uh, ecclesia it's a really cool project tell me a little bit about it yeah so I mean, I ended up having a long break from music. So I've, you know, after the album came out in 2003, I toured for about two years. So I was sort of in various countries, actually, on the weekend, sort of playing, you know, playing live gigs. And then at the same time, I was studying engineering in Stockholm. So I had a really weird lifestyle there for a couple of years. And it got really intense. And I have to say, like, it was at some point just just too much. And I I just lost somehow lost inspiration and I I ended up like not making music for a couple of years. Um 
after that. But then when I came back to Berlin and, you know, SoundCloud started to really sort of take off and, and things were working much better, um, in summer of 2008 was when I sort of, I got this idea that I, hmm, I have, you know, I still have a lot of ideas with music and I need something to sort of balance balance work and just do something else. And and so I've, I I kind of opened up my, my laptop again. I remember it very clearly. And I started doing this, um, started doing tracks based on this very simple idea that was, um, I have this connection with sort of choir music, organ music, and through my, my mother, you know, specifically, but also through just passion for that kind of music and um, been listening to it for, you know, for years. And I had all of these references and all of these influences. And, and I realized, like, I can actually, I basically tried it, you know, is this actually possible to combine that really ancient old music with with something new and sort of remix it essentially into something 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 that I could really relate to. Um, and I ended up trying it and it didn't really sort of work out in the beginning and I took a long break, like a half year break or so, and then I picked it up again and then managed to, to sort of pull it off. I made one track which was based on, on you know, a choir recording um, and then I got this idea that, I, hey, I'm just going to go around churches and field record. I'm just going to go and actually get my own material for this. And it's going to be tedious. It's going to take a long time, but I'm going to go and do it. And, and um, it took three years. Um, and I, I worked sort of on and off on it. Sometimes it was, just, it was just depressing. You know, it was just such a big project and, and complicated project. And I was kind of on my own, you know, without any clear deadlines or anything. So it took, it took a long time. But in the end, sort of things actually came together. I ended up, I think, making something like 50 different tracks. And out of those, eight tracks are on the album. And then there's like a, an intro and an, an interlude on it as well. Um, I ended up working also with two visual artists here, from one from Berlin and one from Vienna, on an iPad app. So there's, there's like a visual, there's like a moving 3D visual that's connected to each track that you can, you can download an app and then sort of have an audiovisual representation of each track, which is kind of, it's kind of interesting as well. Yeah, you can really see it kind of bringing together a lot of different interests. I wanted to talk about the, the state of the internet for music when SoundCloud was sort of first kicking off. Um, at that time, which was 2006, 2007, how was the internet working for musicians and how was it not working at all for musicians? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good and relevant question. So like when we started out, um, you know, I remember my friends were all like, yeah, you have to be on MySpace. It's like the biggest thing. And within a matter of, I don't know, one or two years, MySpace became this huge thing. And it had, I think, when we started SoundCloud, MySpace had around 100 million users. And I thought, you know, we'd never, never, ever get to that scale. There's no way we're going to be there. Um and we're going to solve this sort of niche thing, which no other service out there really can do, which is just a simple thing of, I want to share a piece of music with, with a friend, you know, and maybe it's not even finished. Maybe I want to do it privately and just get some feedback on it. And that was, you know, that was a big piece, a big gaping hole on the web. You know, there were all these sort of file sharing services, like, you know, you send it and C share and what have you, like all of this very cheap and crappy services, to be honest. 
and MySpace, you know, in general was just a really bad experience, actually. Like I went on a thing and I, I really couldn't get how people were so excited about it. Like it was so poorly executed. And I, I could see that and it was a very frustrating experience, I think, for both, you know, uh, me and Alex, my co-founder. And we sort of, you know, we started thinking about how can we how can we fix this? And we we ended up building this very, very simple service that was just focused on on audio sharing, really, and um, solving that use case of just publishing something and sharing it. Yeah, um, you've sort of differentiated now between having a sharing tool and having a publishing tool. And I'm sort of wondering what the difference between the two is to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really blurry line. Um, what we what we saw was that actually there was this huge sort of untapped need that we that we kind of ran into. You know, like we started in a in a niche, and there was a lot of electronic music producers sharing stuff, and a lot of that was was private um, at the start. And you know, we we were in private beta, so you had to have an account and so on. And, we were in private beta almost for like for over a year, um, almost one year and a half. So, but then as we launched in 2008, quickly sort of we we noticed things started shifting around. So first of all, I mean people were leaving MySpace, right? Then they were basically looking for an alternative because already at that time Facebook was started starting to take over all of the sort of private traffic, right? So. Um, so that had started happening. Twitter had just sort of started to gain traction. We could sense a big movement. You know, the iPhone came out. Um, there was this trend, you know, with just really clean and simple services, really focused web apps. Um, and, and we fit sort of right into that. And then, you know, we became more and more and more of a publishing platform. The private aspect got less and less and less, and less emphasized. We also realized that Actually, a lot of the private use cases that we were looking at from the start, they weren't actually easily solvable with our solution. So, you know, we just sort of naturally shifted more and more towards public sharing. Not long after you guys founded the company, you moved it from Stockholm to Berlin. Why make that move? Why why come to Berlin? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the place. You know, I love I love Berlin. Like I I came here the first time in '97. I saw you know broken, crazy, creative place with lots of you know dark clubs and amazing spaces that were just sort of waiting to be taken over by young people wanting to to do cool cool stuff, right? And I came back in 2000 and in 2001 lived here for a year, um, and it was a really inspiring time for me. Um, you know, ever since then, I mean, I was studying in Stockholm, and, and I went to the Bay Area, um, you know, down to Silicon Valley for for three months or so in 2006 to work on my thesis. You know, through music as well, I'd seen a lot of different cities because I was playing gigs in them, and there was something about Berlin which was really unique, which you couldn't really find anywhere else. And you know, it's hard to grasp exactly what is that thing, right? But like we think of it now as it's just this crazy mix of, you know, it's just arts, punk and tech. It's just all mashed together and it's an entrepreneurial place, you know. So for us, it just fits perfectly. It's it's the vibe of, you know, SoundCloud as a, you know, microcosm is, is reflecting the city. It's it's that creative place where, you know, frankly, I just want to I want to stay here. So it's 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 great. Yeah. Yeah. Readers of our site definitely think when they think of Berlin, they think of it as this sort of techno hub. 
Uh, it's known for its nightclubs. It's known for being a place very friendly to producers. But it's also more and more becoming a tech hub, which is maybe something people aren't as aware of. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the startup scene here? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we came here in 2007, there wasn't really that much going on. And I think it's only recently that that this sort of hub, um, yeah, tech hub, like you like you say, has really started to, to emerge and become very tangible. You know, without sort of going on a, on a long, long limb of trying to explain why, I think, uh, you know, just in general the infrastructure of the web is is there right that was the first revolution that that happened right and it's it's mature and it's global uh, so the infrastructure is everywhere and i think somebody uh, chris dixon who is a former entrepreneur is he's now a vc uh, in the bay area with one of the best vcs in the world he he wrote a blog post around it actually recently why is this revolution you know not more concentrated um and he mentioned that, you know, throughout history, basically, there are these sort of like cycles of innovation where like the infrastructure first gets built out, um, you know, something like railroads, you know, um, or any other thing The automotive industry used to be very concentrated and then it became global. It's the same thing happening now, right? Like all of these cities and interesting places around the world, all of a sudden they can sort of draw on their sources of power and apply that to this, you know, amazing infrastructure that's already there. And all of a sudden you have a distributed revolution, right? So I think, you know, a couple of hotspots in Europe and Berlin is probably, you know, in the top three right now. So it's, that's, that's really awesome to see and how, how fast that went as well. You know, it, Berlin is a great place to live. It, it has a certain vibe about it. There are certain companies here that builds a, a great foundation for this to, to happen. So it's kind of natural when you look at it from, you know, in hindsight. Yeah, it seems like Berlin is a really, a really great place to, to run a small company. And I wonder if it's sort of uniquely suited for uh, the company that, that you're helping to run, in part because electronic music is so big here. I, I wonder if SoundCloud is sort of uniquely suited for electronic music producers, um, people who are making stuff on their computers in their bedroom looking to get it out. What do you think about that? I, I mean, you know, we started out sort of firmly in the electronic scene with basically a small informal network of people who were, you know, producing, DJing and, and, and so on. And we've grown organically from there. It's really been very organic growth um, from the start and, and, and sort of wider and wider circles. In the meantime, you know, we are prominent in pretty much every every kind of music scene in the world so we've broadened out from electronic music then to sort of all kinds of music then to all kinds of audio so we're a very broad platform covering lots of di different sort of niches and verticals right so i mean yes i think you know we're f we're still um heavily entrenched uh like in 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 the electronic world like we're we're kind of I think maybe one of the, the most prominent uh, services around um, and, you know, in other music niches, you know, we're still uh, gaining ground. So it's definitely, you know, music, I think electronic producers, have, you know, they're very close to technology and they really like to use the latest tools and they make use of that. And so that's been a really natural place to start for us. SoundCloud has undergone a lot of changes, it seems like in the last year. I think the user experience 
is probably quite a bit different now than it was a year ago or maybe even six months ago. A lot has been made of the redesign, but I wanted to start on one thing that I found really interesting, which was that the price of entry into the premium features of the site has gone way down recently. I believe that uh, the you can you can have virtually an unlimited membership to SoundCloud now for something like nine euro a month, correct? Yeah. Um, how does such a major price drop change the experience of the site, change the community of the site? Yeah, I mean, so we've been you know we we, we did this um, update recently. Um, and we've been listening to a lot of feedback from from our users for a long time regarding also our pricing model and you know features we could bring into the various tiers of our of our premium accounts and so on and we ended up you know just simplifying things a lot and i think you know it's it's a fairly straightforward update in that you know things just got radically simpler um and we have a much cheaper account that's unlimited um which you know reflects where we're going which is you know we we want people to be able to share all of their audio in a kind of frictionless way. Um, and so we're, we're moving towards that. And I think, you know, it's a pretty natural step in that direction. I mean, what, what I should add also, which I think is like also really interesting is the fact that we're starting to work with, um, with uh, pro partners, uh, as we call them. So we have, um, we have some sort of content partners that we're working with both on the music and audio side and we also have brands that we're starting to bring in on the platform as you know creators of content so we've had you know red bull on on the site um we've had you know a bunch of radio channels we had now um august alcina and the dream uh, big uh, big urban artists in in the us joining into this program and so um we're experimenting with some some new features there that sort of allow these creators to express themselves more, you know, ev even more sort of over the, over the platform. Um, and we're looking to sort of really work more in this area and, and take some of those features as well and, you know, give them to all, all of our pro users. Seems like advertising has never been part of the, of the SoundCloud experience. And I wonder if this sort of this, this new pro partner plan is sort of a, sort of a way of, of bringing uh, big brands into the website without having them put a banner up or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, you know, there is a strong trend now of something called native advertising, which means, you know, brands use social media as, as these communication channels, you know, but also to, to build a community. And they are just, you know, another user on the platform. Um, and we think, you know, if, if a brand can really express themselves through, you know, either music and audio and, and visually uh, in combination, that can be, you know, become a really interesting experience for any, for any user on the site, right? So it becomes very relevant um, to anybody. So, you know, whether you're, you know, commercial entity producing a podcast show, for example, or something else, that, that really works as a native part of the experience. Um, and, you know, we have things like you can you can promote your profile now so you can buy a spot in our uh, suggested users um, uh, feature where basically that gets you know highlighted and we think you know that's a great way of doing that without basically compromising the user experience at all so the more natively this can become um, the more sort of you know integrated it can become without getting in the way of users we think it works really really well 
You mentioned that there are some features in these uh, these sort of pro-oriented accounts that are going to be coming down to some of the other accounts soon. What what are some of those features? Yeah, so I mean, I, I can't promise at this stage that they will actually appear in that shape and form. Uh, we're continuously always working on this premium plan, so there will be upgrades for sure. Um, <clears throat> we have basically, we have two main things that we've been working on now um, in these pro partner accounts. One is that the profile is cleaner and more visual, so you can you can put sort of a bigger visual canvas on there. That's one one thing. The other thing is something called visual sounds, um, or actually moving sound is, is the correct term for it, because the the idea is making the sounds more visual, turning them into like one audiovisual object. So like we've always been about visualizing sounds and making them social, um, and this is just a way of sort of creating even more visual sounds. Um, so you can essentially attach a bunch of big images to your audio, um, and then it kind of becomes this fluid sort of slideshow thing. Um, and it's a really great experience because audio is the main, it's the main kind of emotional carrier, let's say, but like then you have this visual component, which is a kind of ambient addition to that. And we think that it works really well as a format. Um, and it's something we're, we're experimenting with now, yeah. Yes, you've you've been very open as well in terms of working with developers who are who are using SoundCloud. Uh, you have an open API. I'm curious about these these music hack days that I've heard about that that you guys sort of maybe organized to start, but they really took on a life of their own. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's really a, f- a global phenomenon now. So there's a I don't know. I think there's there's a bunch of them happening every every year um, and we have developers going there like on a monthly basis right now um, yeah it's basically a bunch of hackers coming together to hack on on music ideas um, you know so it's it's all about um, music and audio creation and how you can um, innovate around that uh, in 24 hours or so and I've seen a bunch of fun fun stuff come out of that uh, and yeah we have an open API an open platform it's part of our sort of openness philosophy in general. We've seen a bunch of really interesting stuff come out of that. I mean, there's some really great, you know, music software that's integrated with it now. So you have, you know, apps like Figure and Ableton and, um, you know, Pro Tools even, and, you know, GarageBand from Apple integrated with, with SoundCloud uh, using the API. But then you have all of these, you know, small hacks. So you have... I, you know, at one point there was a physical radio where like you could physically literally like turn the, the wheel and just tune into any city in the world and it would play sort of a thing that maybe got uploaded like 10 seconds ago to that city. So you have those kinds of hacks as well. Um, and it's just hugely entertaining and, and a great place to sort of inter- innovate and, and, and have fun, I think. I remember watching a video of a talk that you gave uh, at some point recently and something that you said in the talk was that SoundCloud would never get into the business of selling music. I'm curious, why not? Yeah, I mean, I think from the start, like even, you know, even around the time, like it was, you know, over five years ago now, to us, it was pretty clear that the cloud was kind of the future and, you know, access as opposed to transaction-based, you know, uh, music consumption was was also the future. And, you know, this is something we still strongly believe in, 
that you know downloading something isn't necessarily the way to to consume it so i think that you know that was mainly my point i think in that talk as well which i've made you know several times the last couple of years is that um if you're running a startup if you're trying to solve a problem don't try to do all of these different things at once right and there are a lot of different established download services out there you know there's itunes there's amazon google uh, all these big players right there is uh, Beatport in the electronic music world. There's a ton of different services out there, and we we don't want to, you know, we don't necessarily want to do all of these different things. We you know we try to solve this one problem. We and we think it's we think it's you know big part of what the future is going to look like. I've heard you say as well that you sort of see SoundCloud as kind of the the YouTube of music uh, or of sounds rather seems like there are going to be challenges always uh, operating on that sort of scale, uh, sort of fitting that niche on, on the internet. I mean, what, what are some of the challenges uh, that SoundCloud faces as it grows? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, global internet population now is something like 2.2 billion people. Um, and I think about half of those or so have some sort of mobile access. Might be less, I actually don't know, but... Um, that's a really big number. We just recently announced that we hit 180 million unique people every month. So we have a reach effectively, which is almost 8% of the entire internet population. So yeah, things really are at a large scale. And we think, you know, with SoundCloud, we want to have a kind of global impact. We want to reach, you know, a lot of people and basically show as well that, you know, hey, it's an open web you know, anybody out there can go and share, like whether you, you're in kind of rural Africa and you want to publish audio, you can do that. It's it's actually not that hard. Um, and these things are, are global. And so that's, I think that's part of our message, you know, as a company is it's, it's really a um, basic infrastructure for humanity in a way. <laughs> that sounds, sounds pretty profound, but it's, um, I think that's really part of what drives us as well as a company. You mentioned the, uh, the open web, keeping things open, but as you're operating at a larger scale, there are obviously sort of regulations. You can only become so open, really. I would imagine that copyright is a major challenge with a service like SoundCloud. Um, do you see it that way? I mean, copyright is, you know, one of the central themes in our business. It's, it's something we take very, very seriously, obviously. And we, we work closely with rights holders, you know, on a day-to-day basis. We have, you know, automatic filtering systems in place. We have people working 24-7 to respond to any sort of takedown notices or anything like that. So it's something we, you know, take very seriously, obviously, uh, and it's part of what we do. Um, and we obviously have to respect rights holders, you know, there's no, no question about that. And, um, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, in contrast with, with what open means, you know, if, if I am the rights holder, if I have the necessary rights, I can, you know, I can publish something onto SoundCloud and it's, you know, it will be up there. So, you know, in that sense, we're, we're open while still, you know, respecting the, the rules of play, you know? But do you see that as a as sort of a tension on the internet uh, with with the way things are right now? That on the one hand, there's this there's sort of this ability to stretch the limits of of sort of what what holding a copyright means, uh, and then there are still these these sort of 
firm limits in place about what you can do with other people's content. Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, initiatives like Creative Commons, for example, is is really interesting and really relevant. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're a company, we can only do so much and, you know, we can only try sort of our best to comply with any regulations that might be in place, you know. And, and so, you know, we believe in the open web and we believe in sort of moving and pushing things forward. Um, but it shouldn't be sort of while compromising any laws or anything like that, you know? Absolutely. We were talking a little bit before about um, what the internet looked like for music and for musicians, artists, producers in the past, five, six years ago. Let's talk about the present. Where do you think we're at right now? And uh, how is sort of SoundCloud really fit into that? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, Obviously, one of the big sort of mega trends of the day is really mobile. And the fact that everybody has a mobile device in their pocket um, and they can go and, you know, listen to music, they can share um, audio with the world. You know, you can, you can take photos with your phone, you can take videos with your phone, but you can also record audio. Um, it's very, very easy to do. And with our apps, you can literally share from, you know, from the app on the go. And we see more and more people doing that. Um, we see more and more people, you know, listening on mobile as opposed to listening anywhere else. Um, and I think for musicians, this is amazing. You know, you can, you know, you, you can be anywhere and you can sort of share your your business card, if you will. You know, people can literally pull out their phone and, and start following you, you know, right away. And I see that happen more and more. And it sort of integrates much more naturally in people's lives, uh, which I think is is amazing. So that I think is a, is a big game changer in general. And I think you know another huge benefit is just the fact that the sort of literacy of people in general has increased when when it comes to the web and how they think of it, how they work with it. You know, a billion people on Facebook, people understand these models of hey, I follow somebody and I can sort of stay up to date with what they do. You know, I can I can reach out to any artist or if I'm, you know, producing a short movie and I need music for it, you know, I can just private message them on, on SoundCloud and, you know, in the next hour I have, you know, I have a soundtrack for my movie. It's really that fluidness, I think, really benefits musicians. Do you get a sense of where this sort of evolution is headed and maybe where you'd like to see it head? I mean, I think, um, I think, you know, artists today, um, the ones we see that really are successful in SoundCloud are the ones that are able to share content, you know, in a kind of continuous stream almost. So they're able to engage with their followership and their fans um, in a kind of continuous basis. So, you know, whether it is, like, you know, a Snoop Dogg or 50 Cent managed to sort of get their whole, I don't know, like 3,000 um, young producers engaged in creating a remix for their latest track. So like they just put up something and, and they have people remix it on the fly and then they sort of start reposting their content back, um, you know, breaking new artists through their, own, uh, through their own stream. We had Snoop Dogg, for example, just the other week at, at South by Southwest, he was there um, actually premiering a, a, a movie that he made, which is kind of essentially a long, a long um, 
music video that he made with a Polish singer that he met over SoundCloud, incredibly enough. So they actually ended up making tracks together and then, you know, he posted some of those tracks in her profile and now, you know, she's really taking off um, as a singer as well. And so all these things kind of happen and it's it's all facilitated by by artists um, and and uh, sound creators. So they can act, you know, they, they don't only create sort of unique content, but they also curate content in various ways. So, and they engage with the community. And I think that is really where, you know, for us, where the future is, is headed, um, you know, as a band sort of just releasing an album once a year um, in one go and, you know, not doing anything, anything else around it and sort of, you know, maybe maybe go on tour, but sort of don't document anything or show any sort of progress or communication aside from that sort of one album every every other year. That model is getting less relevant for us. Like it 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 works. Um, it works on the platform, but it's it's not where I think the future is going to be. I'm curious about how you've seen people using SoundCloud and. Have there been any really interesting uses of the service that you've seen that you would have never expected to see when you were starting the site? Well, I mean, to be honest, I would never, ever have expected that Snoop Dogg would make a movie with a, you know, totally unknown singer out of a small city in in Poland. Um, And then I would end up, you know, meeting both of them at South by Southwest and we hosting their movie premiere. That's just unbelievable to me. Like that's, that's just amazing, you know? And then, you know, on top of that, Usher came by as well, you know, just to say hi and, and watch the movie premiere, which is, you know, that's unbelievable that, that we are able to facilitate that. Um, and I think that, that really, you know, that in itself kind of sums up a lot of what we try to, to do with SoundCloud, I think. You know, aside from that, I still, you know, I still really get excited about new uh, mobile apps for audio creation. So there's an app called Figure, uh, which is a really nice sort of very simple sort of synthesizer plus drum machine type app for for iPhone and iPad. Um, it shares directly to SoundCloud, and I've seen I've seen a bunch of people sharing actually really good tracks on there, which I've ended up listening to which is really cool because I think that's still an emerging trend. But like when that really starts taking off, that basically people can sit, you know, on the train and just make a track and share it. um, That's amazing. And I have, you know, I have a hip hop producer who I know, but I've only met him actually once. And it was like 10 years ago. Um, And after that, we were kind of virtually in contact. And he he's kind of producing these little skits, you know, and he's done that for years now. and that kind of usage, I think, is, is really amazing. I, I always listen to his skits because it's, it's exactly what I like listening to. You know, I, I really love, you know, just, you know, JD's productions, like when, you know, it's just, it's just these short little clips, uh, which isn't really, you know, music that he's publishing anywhere. You know, it's literally only shared on SoundCloud. Um, and I think, you know, that to make that possible on a mobile device or on, on a tablet device with the same sort of quality and the same production quality, like we're, we still have to, to get there. But I think that will happen and that, that's going to be really amazing as well. 
Do you ever wish that you could just take a step back, not be one of the people running SoundCloud, and just experience it as a user? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I often have that, that, that feeling, actually. It's really hard to, to be objective about it and to, to put myself in the shoes of you know, users around the world. And this is something we, we really try to do, and we try to talk with users a lot and get a lot of feedback. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd definitely love to be able to do that. <laughs>